welcome to Travel Radio. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am pleased today to have back with me Dr. Disneyland, as he is fondly known, but also his real name, Dr. Jeffrey Barnes. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Megan. Happy to be uh, back with you and back with your listeners again today. Yeah, it's always great to hear you. Um, Whereas you are not necessarily a travel professional in the sense that you plan travel, you are a subject matter expert on all things Disney. So it's always great to have you on the show to, you know, hear what you're doing, hear what you're talking on and what's new in the parks. Um, But before we get into those sort of things, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Sure. So um, my name is Jeff Barnes, and I am Dean of Student Success, Professor of Humanities at California Baptist University in Riverside, California. Hmm. We're about 30 miles from the happiest place on earth, (laughs) and it is at this university that I teach the world's only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland. And we use that class uh, to inspire students to take their dreams seriously, uh, to take their life, to take their success to the next level. Um, the class led to two number one best selling books uh, The Wisdom of Walt, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth, and then Beyond the Wisdom of Walt, Life Lessons from the Most Magical Place on Earth. So we've got a book on Disneyland, a book on Walt Disney World. And so aside from teaching the course and writing the books, uh, we now travel the world uh, speaking to individuals, teams, businesses, corporations about how you can use your love for Disney to, again, take your dreams, take your life, take your success to the next level. So does this class sell out? It does. Um, yeah, it's, it's very limited. Uh, we only offer it during the summers. And it's capped at 20. And we cap it at 20 students for two reasons. One, we, of course, take a field trip to Disneyland. Every student wants to bring friends and family members on that tour. And if we took everyone at the same time, um, that would be too large of a group. It would become very unmanageable very Mm -hmm. quickly. So we actually split the class in half. And I take 10 students on one day and 10 students on another day which really ends up with a tour group of 30 each time because, again, they all want to bring friends and family members. And then we end the semester with a tour of Garner Holt Productions. Mm. Uh, For folks not in Southern California, Garner Holt Productions in uh, San Bernardino today is the world's largest maker of audio animatronics. Mm. And that really is uh, the highlight of the class. Yeah, it's great to go to Disneyland. It's great to take a tour of the happiest place on earth. Uh, but going behind the scenes and having an opportunity to see the latest and the greatest in theme park development by way of the audio animatronics being produced by Garner Holt Productions, that is really, really cool and a highlight for all of our students. Mm -hmm. But again, the class is limited. Uh, We don't offer it all the time. And part of the reason why we wrote the books and part of the reason why we do the speaking is so we can bring the wisdom of Walt to anyone in the world. Yeah. So what did the faculty say when you're like, hey, I want to offer college credit to talk about Disney and go to the parks all day long? (laughs) Well, the first thing I tell people is we're not teaching a course about an amusement park so that students can go to Disneyland, ride a roller coaster, and get an easy A. Hmm. Uh, What we really try to do is match and mirror the history of Disneyland 
and the way in which it really reflects who we are as Americans from the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. Now, I'm not going to lie. Uh, there are there are people who doubt the validity of the validity of this. There are people who question um, if if this is a you know serious academic endeavor. And that's okay. When Walt came home and said to his wife, Lily, I'm going to build an amusement park, her response was, oh, Walt, no, amusement parks are filthy. Walt's hmm. older brother, Roy, wanted nothing to do with Disneyland. And so if whatever your idea is, if whatever your dream might be, if everybody was on board, if everybody agreed with it, Something's wrong. You, mm. you want those doubters. You need people to sort of question you and you need folks to sort of dismiss you because that tells you that you're genuinely doing something new and different and distinct. And that's where life's greatest challenges and greatest rewards can be found. You know, more than just the topics of leadership and life lessons, which is the topics of your books. I mean, it is a great, great glimpse into American history through the eyes of a man who was, you know, creating things that impact us from, and he was a lover of American history. You know, could you tell us about Abraham Lincoln and Thanksgiving is what I'm getting to. Sure. So um, Walt was a very unique individual. Um, he loved history. Um, it's been said that Walt had one foot in the past and another foot in the future. And we actually get to experience that every time we walk into the Magic Kingdom because we walk down Main Street, which is a story from our past, and then we get to turn right into Tomorrowland, which is literally stepping into the future. That's exactly who Walt Disney was. And he loved America, and he loved Abraham Lincoln. Uh, there are stories from his childhood of when he would dress up as Abraham Lincoln, and not just for Halloween, it could be any day of the year, he would dress up as Abraham Lincoln and go to class and just randomly recite the entire Gettysburg Address. And so it makes sense that when it came to Disneyland, when it came to audio animatronics, hmm. that Walt Disney would go on to create the world's first fully audio animatronics human as President Abraham Lincoln. And he does that for the 1964-65 World's Fair, brings it home to Disneyland as part of Disneyland's 10-year celebration in the summer of 1965. But from the very beginning, Megan, he envisioned an entire Hall of Presidents in which there would be an opportunity for guests to see all of the presidents on display all of the presidents arrayed in this in this pageantry. Now, it was a real push to get Abraham Lincoln ready for the 1964-65 World's Fair because he was really pushing technology mm. into the future. And it was miraculous that Abraham Lincoln was ready for that fair in the spring of 1964. Mm -hmm. But by the time they go to open Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom in October of 1971, They've taken the technology so far that they've managed to realize a completed version of Walt Disney's dream, which is an entire Hall of Presidents, which we all get to experience by way of Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom in Florida today. So if you go to Disneyland, you can still see great moments with Mr. Lincoln, 
which harkens back to the 1964-65 World's Fair. If you go to Florida, you can see the entire Hall of Presidents show, Mm. which has been there since opening day, October 1971, but is the fully realized vision and version of what Walt wanted from the very beginning. Now, you were talking about Thanksgiving, and it, it was Abraham Lincoln who gave us Thanksgiving for the first time as a national holiday. Now, growing up in American public schools, you hear the story of the Mayflower, you hear the story of the Pilgrims, you hear the story of the first Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. But Thanksgiving was sort of a regional thing. Um, Thanksgiving was primarily associated with New England, and it was kind of an off-again, on-again holiday up until 1863. And in the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln felt as though it was necessary to stop and pause and say thank you as a result of where the Union was at that particular point a few months after the Battle of Gettysburg. It's sort of obvious at this point that the Union is going to win and that the nation is ultimately going to survive. And so Lincoln gives us a national day of Thanksgiving, and we've been celebrating it in November ever since. Now, the only change to that came in the middle of the Great Depression when retailers were able to convince uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt to move Thanksgiving from the last Thursday in November to the fourth Thursday, because every now and then you'll end up with five Thursdays in November, Mm -hmm. which will shorten the Christmas holiday season. We actually had that this year, oddly enough. And the retailers in the middle of the Great Depression said, hey, if we move it to the fourth Thursday, we never have to worry about an abbreviated Christmas shopping season. And so Roosevelt felt as though that was a good idea. So it starts with Abraham Lincoln in 1863, and then somewhere in the 1930s, I want to say 1939, we moved from the last, th- the last Thursday in November to the fourth Thursday, and we've been celebrating and giving thanks ever since. Man, I just, yeah, thank you for giving us that history snippet because um, I, you know, we hosted Thanksgiving for British people. Because, there, I mean, it was like, and this is funny that I'm going to use this expression, it was like getting to go to Disney World. This is how excited these people were when we invited them. <laughs> Yet they were like, we have always wanted to go to an American Thanksgiving. And I think some of the people we didn't invite were saddened, but it was, we hosted at someone else's house that has a really big table, and they invited people based on the size of their table. And as people would fall out, they would invite other people. So rather than having a couple large families, which probably would have been, you know, an ideal situation. We had a hodgepodge group of people based on how people fell out and then RSVP'd in, which was great, but like people were sad they didn't get to go to an American Thanksgiving. And then they wanted this explanation. And I actually read a lot about Thanksgiving ahead of time, but it wasn't until I read your blog that I got the snippet that said, this was first, you know, officially instated by Abraham Lincoln. So mm-hmm. I wanted to have that in the podcast just because we're, you know, in a holiday season and that's kind of where we kick it off. I think, you know, Halloween's in there, but it's not like it's a fun holiday, but it's not like in my mind part of our sacred holidays. So that's, you know, it's yeah, not- when I think of the holiday. Yeah, when I think of the holiday season, for me, it's sort of a a hat trick, if I can use a hockey term. Mm -hmm. And it starts with Thanksgiving and reaches a crescendo with Christmas and then, you know, wraps up with New Year's. And obviously, there are other holidays throughout the year to include Halloween, which seems to be getting bigger 
each and every year. But in terms of the holidays, um, I associate them with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Yeah, and uh, you know, I grew up in a northeastern community, and we had um, we have we have a whole bunch of other like Jewish holidays thrown in there too, and. In the schools where I was at, we made sure to celebrate everybody. So it was just this marathon, and yeah, it started with Thanksgiving. <laughs> but um, yeah. but okay, so we're talking about your blog and and demonstrating that people can get a lot of information uh, in a fun and informative lens through Walt Disney. Uh, let's talk about the the moving on to Christmas. You have your latest article out, and is the twelve books of Christmas. Is this your course load? Is this what you are teaching from? What are these books? Why should people be reading them? Sure. So um, December is a month of gift giving, and it doesn't matter whether you're celebrating Christmas, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah, whether you're looking forward to the start of a new year. Um, we do a lot of gift giving during this particular month. And so I wanted to share with people and hopefully start a tradition with the Wisdom of Walt blog, um, by which I share with readers what I think is sort of the best of the best. Mm. And uh, what I what I shared in the initial post, and again, moving forward, I, I see this being a part of what we publish in you know the first blog post every December moving forward. Um, the idea for the Wisdom of Walt came as a result of wanting to really marry two ideas. And that is my love for not just Disney, but specifically the experience in a Disney park with a, a, a true desire to achieve success, a true desire to lead great teams, a, a, a true desire um, to help and inspire people to see their own dreams come true. And as I looked at what was out there, uh, there are there are great Disney and Disneyland history books. I didn't want to write another one of those because they're already out there and they're great. And I didn't really feel like I had anything new to contribute in that arena. And then yeah. on the other side, there's a lot of great Disney business books. And I've never worked for Disney. I'm not in business per se. I mean, education is a business, but I'm not in corporate America, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really want to write in that direction either. What I really wanted to do was to take Walt's story, the story that we experience when we walk into a Disney park and connect it to your story. And I didn't feel like there was anything in the marketplace that did that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's sort of an old cliche. Um, if there's a book you want to read and you can't find it, it's because you're supposed to write it. Oh, I'm going to and... tell my husband that. Babe, are you listening? <laughs> oh, that's good. He's got one. So, yeah. So um, I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And so we ultimately just decided to write it. And uh, we, we've been very, very fortunate and very blessed. Um, uh, Thanksgiving was on November 22nd this year. Well, ironically enough, November 22nd of 1963 is the very first time that Walt Disney ever saw the land that would one day become Walt Disney World in Florida. Mm -hmm. Now, that date is also the date that President Kennedy was assassinated in downtown Dallas. And it is also the date that I wrote the first words of what would one day become 
the wisdom of Walt. I got up on the morning of November 22nd in 2014, and I was thinking about Walt and going over Walt Disney World and his dream for that project in Florida, the tragedy in Dallas. And I, I, ju- I just started writing. And here we are, you know, four years later, and our life, like Florida, looks a lot different because we got started. And yep. so, um, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, I, I believe in ideas. I, I believe in crazy thoughts. I believe in dreams. And I'm sort of haunted by this question, you know, what if Walt doesn't believe in Disneyland? What if Walt isn't willing to take the risk necessary to bring his dream for Florida to fruition? What does Anaheim look like? What does Orlando look like? What does the world mm look like. And Megan, I believe that you, I believe that your husband, I believe that every single listener has some sort of idea, some sort of crazy thought, some sort of dream that can change the world. We just got to get busy with it. We just got to trust it. We've just got to, you know, believe in this idea that ideas and dreams ultimately matter and not just to us, but to everyone else too. Well, that one it's awesome and two i have some answers for you one disney um well florida would still be a swamp right <laughs> because he absolutely he, listen if you just, this book first of all the wisdom of walt the first book should be called how to love disney um you know through walt disney and american history because i get honestly this book gave me a love for the person that walt disney is um and what he has done for our country and one of the things he he dug this trench drainage system, whatever, to, to drain the area because it was swamp. Um, and that's, you know, you have to read the story to get a more accurate description. But the other thing is that, you know, I love the portion of the book where it's like Hitler hated Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Walt Disney was fighting Nazis. Awesome. So um, <laughs> anyway, I, it's a great book. You need to read it if you haven't read it yet. But Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and there's another piece to the story about Walt in World War II that a lot of people don't realize. So, um, the day that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, uh, December 7th, 1941, mm-hmm. the army took over the Disney studio, studio in Burbank, which was brand new. Mm. They took over the studio by that afternoon. Mm. And it became a, a, a training ground for the next four years, and Walt made an immediate promise to the Department of Defense, which was, I'll do anything I can, you know, to help you with, you know, propaganda and and training films, and I'm just going to, you know, whatever whatever it costs, that's all I'm going to charge you. And so Walt spent the next four years not making any money at all because the European market was completely gone, Mm. and he made endless propaganda and training movies for the United States government and Mm. only charged them what it costs for him to make. Did not know that. That's incredible. Man. Okay. Well, let's talk about more good things that can be found on your blog. What do you see coming in January? What should we look for? So first of all, um, we've got one more blog post for December, which oh, is going okay. to be uh, Christmas focused. And then um, as part of that blog, we're announcing right now the Wisdom of Walt is published on Mondays, and we're actually going to be shifting to Wednesdays. Mm. And we're going to retitle the blog Wednesdays with Walt. Okay, that's and, nice. Yeah, and, and a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, 
Um, you know, people are busy on Mondays. They're just sort of getting back into the week and back into the routine. Yeah. And so, you know, catching people on Mondays isn't necessarily, you know, the best time or the best idea. And, and then secondly, I get asked all the time, is there going to be a third book? And yes. I don't know the answer to that question right now. What I do know is I love writing the blog because it keeps me engaged. It keeps me creating new content. And at some point, I, I would love to take what's in the blog and, and repurpose it into what could potentially become that third book. Mm -hmm. And so by rebranding the blog um, from, from the Wisdom of Walt, we already have a book titled that. By rebranding the blog Wednesdays with Walt, then that could become the collection that then theoretically could become book number three. Hmm. Okay, well, if you do research for book number three, I've said it before, but we are here for another 18 months and we are, <laughs> I don't want to say we're waiting, but if you were going to be in Disneyland Paris, we would wait until you went because it would be yeah. a whole different experience for our family to go with you. So, Wow, you know, that, that would be amazing. Although you've already you know, raised your kids and done that whole thing, so I don't know that you <laughs> you want to come with my children, but you know, <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. So let's talk about some important dates that have recently happened. Well, one happened, one is happening for the life and world of Disney. Will you tell us a little bit about the significant birthday Mickey had and, and what lessons we can take from that? Sure. So um, November was a big month for uh, Disney. It was a big month for Mickey Mouse because it was the 90th anniversary. It was Mickey Mouse's 90th birthday. Mm. Um, the world celebrated this on November 18th. And what that really means is it marks the anniversary of Steamboat Willie, Willie premiering at the Colony Theater in New York City. And uh, Steamboat Willie uh, represents the world's first successful synchronized cartoon. Nobody mm. in the world had seen anything like Steamboat Willie. And it turned Mickey Mouse into a worldwide phenomena. And it started him on that path, on that journey to becoming the world's most popular and profitable cartoon character. Now, what's sort of funny about that, Megan, is a lot of folks have you know, forgotten that one, even though Walt said it all started with a mouse, mm -hmm. it really all started with a rabbit. Because Walt's first successful cartoon character was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And then he ends up losing Oswald in a distribution dispute with Universal. Mm -hmm. And he's only forced to come up with Mickey Mouse if he wants to avoid another bankruptcy. Mm. And then secondly, when he comes up with Mickey Mouse, he doesn't come up with Mickey Mouse in Steamboat Willie with synchronized sound at the Colony Theater. He actually develops Mickey Mouse in two cartoons ahead of Steamboat Willie, neither of which he could find a distributor for. Mm. And it's not until he synchronizes it with the sound, comes up with Steamboat Willie, that he gets the distributor that puts Mickey Mouse into the Colony Theater. Mm. Now, folks have seen the other two uh, cartoons to include Playing Crazy. They were released with sound after Steamboat Willie, but they existed months ahead of time. And so I think the real lesson there is, first of all, um, we've all failed. We, we, we've all had disappointments. We've all had setbacks. That's not the point. You, you can use your past 
and put it into perspective and recognize that your failures may in fact be putting you on the path forward into the future and on to greater successes. And then secondly, as much as we want to celebrate Steamboat Willie as Mickey Mouse's birthday, there's more to the story. There is always more to the story. Every overnight success takes anywhere from five to seven years. And, you know, again, whatever your goal might be, whatever your idea might be, whatever your dream might be, you just need to get started. It's okay to fail. It's okay to have disappointments. It's okay to have setbacks. It's okay that it doesn't have it happen instantly. Walt Disney kept moving forward. And that's the real lesson here. Each and every one of us have to make that decision, make that choice, make that commitment that no matter what, we too, like Walt Disney, are going to keep moving forward. Mm. Good lessons. Are there any events happening in the parks this year that are dedicated to Mickey Mouse 90th birthday that we should watch out for? Well, it seems as though the parks are having like an 18-month celebration for one 90th birthday. All right. So um, there, there's lots of special, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse um you know, events and festivals and celebrations and merchandise. And so if if you go to a Disney park anywhere in the world, you're going to see something special and different related to Mickey and his 90th birthday right now. And, you know, this is really sort of um, a cash cow for Disney, if you will. And so they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, take that birthday. My wife's birthday is, is this month, and, and Nikki loves to celebrate her birthday um, six months ahead of time and six months afterward, um, which is <laughs> a little not? ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Disney's sort of doing the same with Mickey Mouse's 90th. They they recognize that you know people love Mickey and they want to be a part of the celebration, and so uh, they're going to keep this thing going for as long as possible. Well, and really, I mean, people people plan out their trips far far in advance, so and they may not be able to to take you know, a trip right on the date. So that's, I I mean, let them cash in. They reinvest their money well. So go for it, guys. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, What about other significant things that are coming up in the parks this Well, okay, before we go there, let's talk about the other very important thing that's happening right now as we speak. What is today? So today is December 5th, and December 5th is Walt Disney's birthday. Uh, He was born in Chicago, Illinois on this date um, in 1901. Mm. And uh, if Walt had lived, he would be 117 years old today. Now, I think it's sad that Walt died um, just 10 days after his 65th birthday. He died too young. He, 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 you know, he, he, he died at a relatively early age, in my opinion. I don't know that I would want to see Walt Disney at 117, though. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, today is his, his, his birthday. And uh, he had as much influence, if not more, on American culture in the 20th century than any other individual. So happy birthday, Walt. It all started 117 years ago today. It's crazy. Now let's talk about other things that might be coming up in the parks that uh, listeners should look for as they travel. So this is uh, the heart of the holiday season at the uh, Disney parks, and it doesn't matter where you go in the world, they're all celebrating at some level uh, to include Disneyland here in California, Walt Disney World in Florida. 
and it, it's a it's it's just a magical time. Mm-hmm. D- Disney goes all in on decorating for the holidays, and you know I think yeah you're going to have maximum crowds, particularly as you get closer to Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I also think you're going to get maximum value because it's not just about riding the rides. It's not just about experiencing the attractions when you go to the parks. It's about the overall experience. It's about the overall atmosphere. And I think the experience is at a premium. I think the atmosphere is at a premium because, again, Disney goes all in on celebrating the holidays and making sure that the guest experience is top-notch during the month of December. So if you're looking for a, a, a great place to go and, and celebrate Christmas, celebrate the holidays, celebrate this special time with friends and families, I'm always encouraging folks, find a way to get to a Disney park because mm-hmm. you're going to see some great decorations. You're going to see uh, some great shows, some great parades, and and just have a overall great time. You know, we just, um, we just came out of you know Thanksgiving, Megan, and here in the United States, Thanksgiving is as associated with Black Friday as it is with stopping and pausing and giving thanks. And, you know, what was really key on this? Do we really need another thing? You know, do you really have to go and associate Christmas with time in the mall and, you know, spending money on another thing that you're – person that you're giving the thing to may or may not appreciate? What if instead you focused on giving – an experience. Yep. And I think, you know, taking your friends, taking your family, taking your children to a Disney park is that experience versus a material item that all of us are looking for. And if nothing else, you're going to make memories. And those memories are going to last a lot longer than whatever that material item could possibly be. Yeah, I have to tell this funny story. I mean, it's not that funny unless you know who my cousin married, but he is this beefcake of a Pennsylvania state trooper. And, I mean, he is just a tough guy. And he was at my parents' house for some event, I don't know. And he said he said he's taken the family to Disney World for Christmas. And I have a twin, and she, you know, kind of said, Ryan, why do you love Disney? I just don't get it. And he's like, I love Disney. It's a clean experience. The kids are safe. We we plan it way in advance. We have something to do. Everything is planned out and timed out so that I don't have to wait in a line and I can get a great meal. And he's just like this big beefy dude gushing on why he loves Disney unabashedly. And my sister's like, all right, you've convinced me. So yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. There's a great there's a great story that Jack Lundquist um, would tell, and uh, Jack uh, Lundquist he was Disney's first marketing manager. He would go on one day to actually become president of Disneyland, mm. and he was at Disneyland for its first Christmas Eve in December of 1955, and he remembers walking down Main Street and coming across a family, and you could just tell based on how they were dressed that this was not a family of means. They they didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he overheard the conversation and he realized very quickly that the family had sacrificed so that they could bring their kids to Disneyland during December for the park's first Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he recognized very quickly that the park experience was their gift. The park experience was what Santa was bringing them. And he would go on to write You know, the family came to Disneyland because they really didn't have money to afford anything else. 
And what they were looking for was an experience. The kids would forgo toys and mom and dad wouldn't receive any presents and that's okay. And so it was in that moment that I came to realize that what we're really creating for people are meaningful memories. And that symbolism has never left. We may not Mm -hmm. cure cancer. We're not going to save the world, but we can help make people happy if just for a few hours in a day. And when we do that, I know that we're doing something worthwhile. And that's what a Disney park experience means to people. And that's been true from the very first Christmas when the park first opened way back in 1955. So let's talk about New Year's in the park. There's always fireworks every night. Are there even more fireworks on New Year's? There are. So, um, you know, again, Disney goes all out during the holidays. And, yeah, Disneyland is sort of the place where you can go and know that you're going to get fireworks every Mm -hmm. single night. Um, But there are certain times when they step them up, the 4th of July being the most obvious. But New Year's Eve is. Uh, extra special as well. And I'm not a, I'm not a crowd person. You know, I, I don't, you know, want to stand in super long lines. I don't want to be, um, you know, sardined in with an entire throng of people. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. I can tell you it's worth it um, because Disney does it at a level that no one else does. And I have yet to talk to a single person who has braved the 4th of July crowds, who has braved the Christmas crowds, who has braved the New Year's Eve crowds, who have said, you know what, that was the worst experience of my life. I'm never doing it again. I've never heard anybody say that. What I have heard is we were blown away. Yeah. What I've had heard is I'll never forget it. So again, it's an opportunity to create those magical memories and an experience that you and your friends and your family will never forget. Yeah, and speaking of crowds and all that sort of thing and not wanting to wait in line, et cetera, et cetera, this is a good opportunity for me to plug a gal that I uh, actually refer my clients to when I'm – because planning Disney really does take a lot of time and there's a lot to keep up on. And they actually do have their college of knowledge for travel professionals and you have to go through it and graduate and you get your genius certificate if you want to be allowed to plan Disney vacations. So – uh, anywho, there's a gal, Lisa Hill. You can find her in uh, on TravelRadioOnline.com and under the guests. Her name is Lisa Hill, and she is Magic Travel. And she will plan it to a T. If you want a spreadsheet, she will give you a spreadsheet. But she will make sure that you, you know, all of your uh, rides and everything are planned out in such a way, and meals and everything, so that you, you know, you, there's not a lot of waiting around. You get to experience the park in fullness and it's well planned out. So just a plug to use a Disney planner, someone who has their Disney genius certificate. If you don't, uh, if you don't want to plan it yourself, because planning it is fun, but if you don't have time or you're a working person, maybe use a Disney planner because that'll save you some time. Make sure your trip is, uh, runs smoothly. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. And I can tell you right now, I mean, if you show up at Disneyland or Walt Disney world at, two o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas day. And the first thing you do is get in line to buy tickets. Uh You're going to have an awful miserable experience. Um, Planning and preparation ahead of time is absolutely key and doing it with someone else who can offload a lot of the responsibilities 
someone who knows backward and forward where you should go, where you should be, what you should do mm-hmm. is going to be worth every single penny. Because when you're in a Disney park, time is money and it's going to maximize that experience. Yeah. And the other thing too is like when you, when you use a travel planner, usually it doesn't cost you any more money. So if you use Lisa Hill, um, you're not paying any extra money. She's essentially an outside salesperson for Disney. So, um, right. anyway, click on Lisa's link. She's a great resource. Please tell her that I sent you. And she has a fantastic accent that you won't want to miss. So get her on the phone, <laughs> not just on email. You'll want to talk to her. Um, okay. So then let's talk about, okay. So that's coming up for 2019. Other big things opening. So the the big news for 2019, and I think once we get through the holidays and actually into the new year, mm-hmm. you, you are going to hear about this incessantly. Yes. Um, we, we've been waiting since the big announcement in 2015 for Star Wars Galaxy Edge to open, mm-hmm. and 2019 is the year. People it's going to happen waiting. at Disneyland in Southern California. Sometime in the summer, we don't have an official um, opening day announced just yet, and it's going to happen at Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World in Florida sometime in the fall. Mm. So if you're just you know itching to go to Star Wars Land, if you've been waiting since 2015, when mm. is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? It's happening. It's going to happen in 2019. We we don't have the exact date. But sometime in summer for Southern California and sometime in the fall for Florida, you're going to have an opportunity to go to Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Yeah, I know lots of people who have said we're waiting until it opens. Uh, so that's going to be a huge influx then. I think it's also a crowd that doesn't, might not usually go to Disney that's been waiting to go to Disney. So that'll be, that'll be a good time for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I read an article yesterday that was predicting that you could potentially have up to 200,000 people at Disneyland for the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I I have no idea what that could even possibly look like. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some sort of fire code, too. I'm sure they know what it is. They can predict all the numbers they want. There's a limit. So uh, I guess we'll find out what that is. Yeah, and we've had big openings in the last couple of years. I mean, we saw it with Harry Potter World and Diagon Alley at Universal Mm -hmm. in Florida. We saw it with uh, Pandora World at Animal Kingdom. We saw it with Toy Story Land um, earlier this year at Hollywood Studios. I think all of that will pale in comparison to the opening of Star Wars. Okay, here is a... uh... Uh, you know, some not so reputable website telling me Disneyland's estimated capacity is between 75 and 80,000 guests. Yeah, I think, um, and, and I, I have a, a guest speaker um, who wrote the Disneyland story coming to my class each summer. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that, uh, you know, maximum capacity is around 80, 85,000. Mm-hmm. And they do they do close. Yeah, you'll see this on Christmas Day sometimes. Mm-hmm. They'll close at you know eleven a.m. one p.m. because the park has in fact reached maximum capacity. Mm-hmm. And you know you have folks who you know show up and they're upset because they want to go and they 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 can't get in. Well, the truth of the matter is part of it's safety. Part of it is also making sure that guests have a quality experience. And, you know, what I find fascinating, Megan, is when I travel the world talking about Disney, 
the first question I get asked is, oh my gosh, why is it so expensive? But then the second question is, why is why it is, always yeah. so crowded? Yep. So, you know, if I'm a business owner, man, I would love to have that problem. Sure. Why, why is your product so expensive and why can't I get more of it? Yeah. I, I, well, that's what I tell people. It's like you are, you are going to spend a lot of money when you go to Disney, but you get what you pay for. So if you want a top-notch experience, go to Disney. Or, and with Disney Cruise Lines also, they're like, it's so much comparably. It's so expensive. And I said, no, there's a difference in the product. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, um, I, well, I'd like to see how many people come. The other thing I want to see is I, I want to go and experience all of the LARPing groups that are bound to come. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Live action role play. You've got to see this sometimes in the park in California. Some days in like Colorado, we'd bring our kids to parks and there would be all these guys with like, um, like light, like light phasers or what am I trying to say? The sword. Is it called a light phaser? Uh, lightsabers. Lightsaber. Like, like they would have like their lightsabers. They'd have costumes on and they, they have, um, they would split up on either side of the field and they would reenact battles or just have fake battles. And they, and they, some of them would practice ahead of time and they're serious. They have different weapons and some of them are like dungeons and dragons type theme groups. So some of them were star Wars groups. And I just, I really hope that there's a lot of costuming involved when this exhibit opens. Uh, that would be really, well, I'm looking, I, I'm looking at an article titled LARP in the park <laughs> and it's a uh, live yes. action role-playing at Disneyland. So yeah, that's a, that's a thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Hmm. Okay. Well, what's happening for you in 2019? What's keeping you busy these days? <laughs> so, uh, again, we're going to repurpose the uh, blog, uh, transferring it from the Wisdom of Walt to Wednesdays with Walt, uh, starting in January 2019. A lot of speaking gigs on the horizon. Uh, we're doing events in Orlando, uh, January, February, March, June, July. We've also got events coming up, Nashville, Tennessee, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Nikki and I are going to take a little bit of a break at the end of June and go on our second Disney Cruise. Oh, and Megan, yes. I'll agree with what you said earlier. Um, absolutely worth every single penny. I mm. love going to Disneyland. I love going to Walt Disney World. I love our experiences in the parks. Mm. I love the Disney Cruises even more. In yeah. fact, if, um, if we do another book in the Wisdom of Walt series, it would be titled The Worldwide Wisdom of Walt, and there would be a chapter dedicated to the cruise experience itself. It's that good. And um, love it. Really, really looking forward, um, looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we're just going to keep writing, keep speaking, keep traveling, and, uh, you know, using our love of Disney to inspire and motivate people to see their own dreams come true. All right. What kind of, in case someone's listening and they're thinking, you know, what does this guy talk on? Who is, you know, who are you speaking to? Like, what kind of, why would someone hire you? <laughs> so um, what we do is we take people's love for Disney and we tell Walt's story, um, his failures, his successes, what his dream of Disneyland was all about, um, mm. the various doubts and obstacles that he had to overcome in order to make that dream come true. And again, we use those stories 
and connect them to you and your story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Disney is great. You know, they talk about it being the place where dreams come true. And as much as I love going to the parks, I hope that each and every one of us have a bigger dream than going to a theme park, going to Disneyland again, mm-hmm. going to an amusement park. Um, again, you've got that idea. You've got that crazy thought. You've got that dream inside of you. And I want to use the love of Disney to draw that out and set you on a path where you can start changing, if not the world, at least your world. Mm. And so what we really do with the speaking, we love kicking off conferences. We love closing conferences Mm -hmm. because regardless of what the purpose of the event might be, regardless of who's in the audience or how technical your week might be as you go into breakout sessions and you hear industry professionals in the various career field uh, that the conference is associated with. Mm -hmm. I I think, again, we all love Disney and we could all use a little motivation and inspiration. And I think uh, Disney and the Wisdom of Walter excellent sources for that. So what kinds of groups have you spoken to this year? Like HR, pharmaceutical, realtors? What you wow. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. Cool. Um, we're doing an education conference at the Disneyland Hotel mm. next week. We just got back from a group of principals in Las Vegas. Um, nice. We spoke to podiatrists at the Disneyland Hotel um in November, um, I, I think a couple of the more interesting groups, we did a group of fitness franchise owners hmm. when we were at Walt Disney World in September, uh, legal professionals in Phoenix. Um, and I think our most interesting trip for 2018, uh, we did uh, human resource professionals in Bogota, Colombia. Wow. And going to Bogota, Colombia was a reminder that Disney and especially Mickey Mouse are international. Uh, they loved hearing about Disney, and they loved the stories about Mickey Mouse. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. So how can people see, or where can people see, uh, is it, do you have a snippet up somewhere where people can see a little bit of your, a little bit of your presentation? Yeah, so you can come visit us at thewisdomofwalt.com. And there you can get a short video clip of one of our presentations. Uh, This happened to be with travel agent professionals, Megan, uh, when we were speaking in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. And then if nothing else, you'll find a place to sign up for the blog. And the blog comes out every other week. It's completely free. And you're going to be exposed to weekly motivation and inspiration, again, using Disney to take your life, take your dreams, take your goals, and take your success to the next level. Awesome. So um, for people that don't know, Jeff has a problem with ice cream in his defense. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, yeah. But So tell us your uh, latest, latest, tastiest ice cream. So um, our daughter lives in Portland, Oregon. She's getting ready to move to Tampa. She made that announcement this morning. But oh, um, she, she lives now in Portland, Oregon. And they have uh, sort of a hipster ice cream company called Salt and Straw. And she took us there a couple of years ago, and it instantly became my favorite ice cream anywhere in the world. And I think, Megan, I've I've had enough ice cream that if I tell you this is the best, I'm mm-hmm. sort of a trusted authority. And last month, Salt and Straw opened at Downtown Disney. 
And as much as ice cream has been a problem before November, it's an even bigger problem now because we go to Disneyland all the time. (laughs) And now we have an opportunity to not just go to Disneyland and like get the Mickey bar, but then on our way home, we can walk through downtown Disney, stop at Salt and Straw and get what is my favorite ice cream anywhere in the world. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the ice cream isn't going away and it becomes a bigger problem each day because the more I eat, the bigger I get. <laughs> That's right. Those parks are big. That's what they're for. They're for walking it off. You got ice cream in yeah. your hand, you're just going to make, yeah. make sure you're walking. That's all. <laughs> exactly. All right. Any parting words of wisdom or any little Christmas tidbits you want to throw in before we close out the podcast? Well, I just want to thank you for having me on your show again. I want to wish uh, all of um, the listeners um, a happy end to 2018 and a great start to 2019. And again, come visit us at thewisdomofwalt.com and uh, sign up for the blog. You're going to get great free content and an opportunity to use your love of Disney to, again, take your life, take your goals, take your dreams, take your success to the next level. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being my guest again. All right, this is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying, have a great day and Merry Christmas early. <laughs>